know, I've been talking about our promise. And, um, and you, we have promises as covenant people. You know, a lot of times we don't understand as, as Christians that we have to lean on the covenant that we have. You know, when I, when I, when I uh, made Jesus the Lord of my life, that wasn't the end of... I was never promised that there would never be struggles. It's never promised that, that, that life would be easy. That, um, that there would never be is- situations or there never be issues. There never would be attacks. There never be disappointments. But what I was promised is a covenant that is unshakable. A new covenant established upon better promises. So no matter where you are and what you faced and what you've gone through in life, understanding you have a covenant. And it's something that we have to stand on. You have a covenant as it pertains to your children. You have a covenant as it pertains to your finances. And really, there's a, there's a word that's used in Ezekiel and it's used in Isaiah. And it says this, a covenant of peace. A covenant of peace. That doesn't mean just that, that a peace doesn't mean I'm free from trouble. No, covenant of peace is when I'm in trouble, I have a covenant that I have a hold on to that, that, that I have sozo. That I have shalom. I have, I, have, I have a right to nothing missing, nothing broken in my life. Even though it may not look like that in my life, I still have a covenant to that. I still have a promise to that. I still have something I can hold on to that Jesus stretched his arms out wide on the cross and died for me. Died for you to, to establish and ratify a covenant. That was unchangeable. I promise we've, we've talked about these promises, the, the promise that said the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you and be gracious towards you. That means that he has a desire to show favor towards his people. He has a desire to, to work on behalf of his people, gracious towards you. Full of grace, full of ability, full of strength, full of whatever you might have need of. That's what graciousness means. That he would lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. This is God's blessing to us. This is God's promises towards us. The scriptures are full of promises. Full of promises, full of promises that we have a right to, full of promises that we can stand upon, full of promises that we can war a good warfare with, promises that we can, having done all to stand, stand there for. What does it stand there for? And what's the first thing it tells us? Tidying our belt of truth, right? That's, that, that's, the, that's the word of God. That's the, that's, the, that's the logos of God. That's the truth of God. And, and understanding that every single one of the weapons after that hangs upon that one weapon. The belt of truth. Everything. Righteousness. Helmet of salvation. Uh, uh, shield of faith. Whatever it might be. And, and so we have promises to stand upon. And, and you know, years ago, I, 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 I would read this scripture when I started every message probably for the first four years of pastoring. It was Jeremiah 29, 11. And, and through, throughout, uh, you know, since 2007 pastoring, I've got so much revelation out of one scripture. And, and, but just understanding, he said, God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. I, I, I like it when you, you see, you have two, two understandings of scripture. You have things that people said and you have things that God said. Yeah. 
And too often, some people stand upon things that people say instead of standing on what God said. Like a scripture that said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. God didn't say that. Job said that. Job said it. God didn't say it. So don't tell, don't, don't tell me that God does it. Job said it. Now we know all scripture was given by God for inspiration and correction. So, so maybe Job need to be corrected and not be, not be edified for his statement. So, but the thing is, but, but I know this is, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans of peace and not evil, not, not evil, not evil. So if there's something evil happening in my life, then what? It, it wasn't God's thoughts about me. It wasn't God's desire for me. If there's a report from the doctor, that's not God's thoughts about me. If the enemy's trying to remind me of my past and my failures, that's not God talking to me. That's the enemy talking to me. Why? Because he says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Yes. And so, so we have promises throughout the scripture that we can stand upon, that we can, that we can wrestle with, that we can, we can hold to and not let go of. Amen. Go to Deuteronomy chapter two. And there, there was something I ministered on this past Wednesday night. And if you don't come to Wednesdays, I want to encourage you. If you have the opportunity to, you need to be here. And last week I talked about the Holy Spirit. I talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit because we know the Holy Spirit was a promise. And I talked about being, having, being, the Holy Spirit brings us to places of fruitfulness, fulfillment, and fullness. That's, that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit was to bring us to fruitfulness, fullness, and to fulfillment. And I want to continue along the lines of not really dealing with the person of the Holy Spirit, but dealing with some other things. And, and so I want to deal with this morning of, I have no lack. Can you say that with me? I have no lack. Can you say it again? I have no lack. Some of you are a little hesitant about saying that. I'm not talking about what your bank account looks like. It doesn't matter what your bank account looks like. I have no lack. Because wisdom is the principal thing. So even though I might not have something material to me right now, I can get the wisdom that will cause me to obtain what I need. Right? Say it again. I have no lack. You know, if I have no lack, that sounds like abundant overflow. Right? That sounds like abundant overflow. I I, I have the prophetic word here. I just, you know, read, read it here. It says... Yeah, a new era is here. It's already begun and I plan marvelous things for 2021. Abundant overflow is the order of the day. So rest assured it's on its way. Your adversary can't stop what I've already decreed. Well, what did he decree? Abundant overflow. That means the enemy can't stop abundant overflow. So I would encourage you that under the, the enemy can't hinder, you can, can not stop, uh, stop abundance happening in your life. I'm getting tongue tied. Yeah, just Hallelujah. I have no lack. I have no lack. Hallelujah. I have no lack. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 6. It says, You shall buy food from them for money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them for money that you may drink. 
Now, you have to understand, the Israelites were not broke. They left with all the silver and the gold. And there was not one feeble among them. All based on what? Covenant. And here they're, they're in the wilderness and they're just looking to spend money on something. There's not a whole lot out in the wilderness, but they're looking for some money. They're, they got money to spend. It's just, <laughs> there's not a whole lot out here to spend it on. <laughs> some of us need to just stop spending money, but <laughs> stop looking for ways to spend money. But, but here God said, Hey, you're going to buy food and it with money. This isn't a message necessary about money this morning, but (laughs) verse seven, for the Lord, your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. (laughs) He blessed all the work of your hands. If your hands aren't doing anything, then God doesn't have to bless, bless anything. He was blessing all the work of their hands. It's another, it's a whole nother message. He knows you're walking through this great wilderness. He, he knows where you are. He knows what you're walking through. He says, these 40 years, the Lord, your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. These 40 years and you've lacked nothing in the wilderness. So you have to understand that you might be feel like you're in a wilderness, but understand you lack nothing. You lack nothing. Just to stop focusing on what it things look might look like in the natural in your life. In Luke chapter twenty two, verse thirty five, you don't need to turn there. Jesus makes a statement to his disciples. Those following him, I believe it wasn't just to the 12, but it was also to the 70 and it was all of them. And Jesus made a statement to them. He goes, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? And what'd they say? Nothing, nothing. Wow, man, you you, you see when, when you are on assignment and when you surrendered to assignment, God will see to it, you have no lack. See, the issue is, is we have to stop doing what we want to do. And we have to surrender to his word, surrender to his plan, surrender to the covenant. No lack. No lack. John chapter 10, actually, before I get there, uh, about 13 years ago, the Lord uh, spoke to me and some of you have heard me talk about this. I've referred to it and I've done, I did a whole series on this, but the Lord uh, spoke to me. It was a Wednesday night before I came out one year and um, I think it was 2008. And he said, uh, Justin, he said, do you know what the number one problem in the world is today? And I said, you're asking me, (laughs) you're asking me, Uh, and I'm like, no, I'm, like, I'm trying to think of all these things, you know, world hunger, world peace, you know, all these things. And, and uh, we all tried to figure out what, you know, my mind is racing. Well, what's the number one problem? And, 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 and when I got quiet, the Lord said, he goes, Justin, the number one problem in the world today is deficit. I'm like, deficit? You're talking about the, the national debt? <laughs> You're talking about, no, he goes, he goes, deficit. 
And he goes, do you know what deficit is? I, I'm like, well, I have an idea. It's, it's lack. It's shortage. You know, if you don't have enough to pay your, your bills, then you have a deficit, meaning you, you don't have enough. You're, you're in lack. And he's like, yeah. And then he went on to tell me this. He goes, he goes, yeah, there's a lack of love. There's a deficit of love. There's a deficit of joy. There's a deficit of peace. There's a deficit of wisdom. There's a deficit of unity. And he goes, it all comes down to really being a deficit of the word of God. And, 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 and the thing is that that's what we have to understand is, is, is deficit. The answer to my deficit, that I'm, whatever that deficit might be, it could be financial, it could be health, it could be soulish, it could be whatever you might want to label it. The, the answer is found in the word of God. The enemy is striving for you to live from a position of deficit. The enemy doesn't want you living in overflow. He doesn't doesn't want you living full on the inside. He doesn't want you living out of the fullness of the spirit. He would rather you be walking in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit. See, if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the enemy would like you to walk in deficit of the spirit so you would walk in your flesh. And so abundant overflow is God's desire because his desire is for, not us, for us not to live in deficit. See, the enemy has a plan and God has a plan. The enemy's plan is what? It says, the, the, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only. The King James says it like this. The thief comes not, but to only steal, kill, and destroy. So what does that mean? If the enemy is killing, stealing, and destroying, what is he doing? He's bringing deficit. If the enemy is stealing, what is he doing? He's bringing deficit to your life. But what does it say after that? But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Abundance. This is God's desire. So, so God's desire isn't for us to operate in deficit. His desire is for us to operate in abundant overflow. He wants to operate in, in abundance, not in deficit. He doesn't want us just barely getting by. He doesn't want us uh, uh, barely getting by emotionally and, or, or physically and, and whatever way. No, he wants us to operate at optimal level. This is his desire. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to take what he, he's out to what? Steal the word. He's out to destroy your family, steal your family. He's out to steal your purpose, destroy your dreams. Why? Because he doesn't want you to operate in abundance. Look at Matthew chapter eight. Thank you, father. I hate shortage. I, I don't like it when I can't meet a need because I don't have enough. You know what? God doesn't like shortage either. Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at verse... 
17. Actually, verse 16. It said, when evening came, there brought to him many who were under the power of demons. And he drove out the spirits with a word, with a word. He drove out the spirits with a word. What is the, what is the, what is the demonic spirit sent to do to steal, kill and destroy? But what, what did Jesus do? He came to bring life and life in abundance. So what did Jesus do? He took the spirit that was on the inside of him to get rid of a deficit in someone else's life. He drove out the spirits with his word and he restored to health all who were sick. And thus he fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took an order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and he bore away our diseases. He took away. He himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses. If you have a weakness, then you have a deficit of strength. Right? If, if you are in a, in a position and place of weakness, you have a deficit of strength. If you have sickness or disease in your body, then you have a deficit of wholeness. If you have guilt or confusion in your mind, then what happens? You are at a deficit of peace. But according to what, what Jesus said here, and he was speaking of a promise that was declared by Isaiah in Isaiah 53 verse 4. Himself took in order to carry away. He took away my deficit. In myself, in my ability, I have nothing but lack. I have nothing to give anyone else. I have nothing to give God. I have nothing in my own ability. But understanding what happened is Jesus took away my weakness. He took away sickness and disease. He took away the things that would bring about deficit in my life. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Oppressed of the devil. What, what did the devil, what does is, what is the thief come to do? What to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to bring deficit in your life. The enemy isn't settled to give you a bad day. The enemy wants to destroy your purpose in your call. He wants to take away your joy. He wants to take away your peace. He wants to take away your, your, your righteousness. He wants to take away everything that God has deposited on the inside of you. How God went about doing good. How God anointed. He anointed. He anointed Jesus to destroy the works of the devil. First John chapter four, verse eight, God, Jesus was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. So understanding that everything that Jesus came to do was to get rid of my deficit. Because of what Jesus provided in me, I don't have to walk in anger and hate and offense towards my brother. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit, he shed abroad in my heart the love of God by the Holy Spirit. 
I don't have to operate from a position of lack or deficit in my life. He who was rich, he who was rich became poor that through his poverty, I might be rich. He took my deficit. He took my deficit and he carried away. So let me ask you a question. Why are you holding on to yours? Why are you? Let's, let's, let's go, let go of our deficit. Let's let go of what he took. He himself took to carry away our infirmities. Our we, the word infirmity is weaknesses and diseases and sicknesses, shortcomings, insufficiencies. That's what infirmities are. The anointing. Let's look at, look at Isaiah chapter 10. So what did that part of that song that Cassie said, the, the glory, when the glory's here? Yeah, when the glory's in the room, nothing else is needed. She didn't know what I was preaching today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank Isaiah 10. Did I say 11? Isaiah 10. Look at verse 20. Thank you, Father. I'll read this the Amplified. And this is talking to the remnant of Israel for them to be saved. They're in bondage to the Assyrians. And it says this, it says, And it shall be in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more lean upon him who smote them, but will lean upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So what is it saying? They're going to stop leaning on the things in the natural. They're going to stop leaning on the Assyrians and they're going to lean on the Lord. I love that King James says, it says that they shall stay upon the Lord. Verse 21 says, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob unto what? The mighty God. The mighty God. It goes on and it talks about the rod of the oppressor. And it talks about, it talks about the Assyrian. But then in verse, verse 27, it says this. And it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. How God anointed See, it says, stop leaning upon the, the, the one that smote you. So stop hanging out with the one that can't produce life. But yet lean and stay upon the Lord. Why? Because it says, mighty is the Lord. And why it says, and it says that the anointing shall break the yoke. Meaning whatever, see the Assyrians brought deficit to them, brought destruction to them. 
took them out of their land, took away everything that they had, took away their focus, took away their places of worship, took away all that they had. And yet it says, what was going to happen? It said, it said, and it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck. Meaning the very thing that is controlling you, the thing that's bringing deficit, the thing that's bringing lack, the thing that's bringing, bringing challenges, the thing that's bringing confusion, the thing that's bringing hurt, the thing that's bringing pain, that very thing that yoke shall be taken off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. And that word destroy means to pulverize. It means to grind to powder. It means, it means that this, the anointing will do something so extravagant and so amazing that, that whatever has been broken off your life cannot be put back together. It can't be, it can't be put back together to put back on you. And it said this yoke, this burden would be destroyed because of the anointing, the anointing. Can you say the anointing? You see, it's because of the anointing I can operate and live without lack. You know what? There's an anointing to run your business. There's an anointing to operate in your ministry. There's an anointing to witness. There's an anointing on how to, how to handle your finances. There's an anointing on, on how to give. There's an anointing on how to serve. There's an anointing on how to, how to operate with your craft, your talent, and your gift. There's an anointing. The anointing isn't just something that I have to trust in when I stand up here. I have to trust in the anointing for everyday life. There's an anointing to live. There's an anointing to live as a believer. There's an anointing to live as a child of God. There's an anointing. The anointing, how God anointed Jesus who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So it was the anointing upon Jesus that brought people out of deficit. It was the anointing upon Jesus that brought people out of bondage. It was the anointing upon Jesus that caused the demon spirits to flee. It was the anointing upon Jesus that caused them to find money in a fish's mouth. It was the anointing upon Jesus that caused him to lift up five loaves and two fish and thank them God and, and thank God for it and break it. And, and it caused them to where no one else had need and they had 12 baskets left over. There, there was an anointing. There was an anointing. The anointing caused an axe head to float to pay off someone's debt in Isaiah. It was a borrowed axe head, but yet the anointing of God caused it to float. God, because God wants you to pay your debts. The anointing, the anointing. (laughs) It is. I require it. You don't want to see Justin up here without the anointing. (laughs) Annette, you're not supposed to say that. (laughs) She said, she's like, true. (laughs) The anointing. Start, start running your business or, or start going to work with, with, to your workplace with, a, with the focus that the anointing is on your life. Yes. Yes. The anointing is on my life. Yes. Don't, don't push the anointing aside of, of some sort of goosebump that, that you felt one time. Yes. Kennedy, the anointing is on you. Yes. Come up here. <laughs> Thank you, 
Hallelujah. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, the anointing is on her. It has been on her with education, anointing to learn, to receive. I thank you for a fresh anointing for her to find her place, find her position. I thank you that she's not alone. She's not alone. I thank you that she'll be able to stand strong as she goes into this next season. Stand strong for the Lord. Stand strong. Stand strong. Hallelujah. Thank you for getting to open doors. Open doors for her to be light. To bring the anointing upon her life to what you blessed and called her to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Anointing. Anointing. The anointing. The anointing, how God anointed. Now, and we talk about the anointing, you, how God anointed. Now, God is a spirit. Yes. So, the anointing is the spirit of God. Yes. So, the anointing is also the presence of God. So, you could say, to say, how the presence of God was upon Jesus... And he went and because the presence of God was upon Jesus, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So you can't separate the anointing from the spirit of God and you can't separate the anointing from the presence of God. The anointing. See, the anointing will bring you to a place of no lack. No lack. The anointing can cause, cause you to build a boat for over 150 years that will cause to save you and your family. The anointing, the anointing. You know, there was a a man that, that, yeah, that, that, that Solomon had a plan to, to build the house of God, but yet he called another guy named Bezalel for him to, was anointed in craftsmanship. And his name, it's interesting that his actually names means one that's in the face of God. So it's interesting, a man whose name's Bezalel, meaning one who's, whose, face is, whose face is in the face of God, is the one who actually built the tabernacle. Wow. Good. You see, because he was anointed for it. He was graced for it. And you're anointed in grace, whatever God's called you to do. No lack. No lack. No lack. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. Thank you, Father. I want you to see this. This connection of the anointing and the Spirit of God. Verse 10. It says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, And was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Now, what did that say? And behold, there was a woman that had what? A spirit of infirmity. So this wasn't a spirit from God. This was a spirit of infirmity. See, the spirit of infirmity. There's a spirit that there's an antichrist spirit. That's in our world that will try to do anything and everything to tear apart unity, 
and to tear apart the anointing, to tear apart what God desires to do. There's a spirit. There's a spirit of infirmity. So this spirit of infirmity was on her for 18 years. And that spirit infirmity caused her to be bowed together and she could not lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, thou art loosed from this infirmity. But we just saw the anointing was on him to destroy deficit. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came what? To give life in abundance. So, so what the spirit of the infirmity tried to do, tried to bring deficit, the spirit of God brought abundance. So you have to understand, everything that the Spirit of God does is to lead you into abundance, to carry you into abundance. See, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. They took them out of bondage. Not to leave them in the wilderness, but take them to a promised land. The, The Spirit of the Lord was sent to not just deliver them out of bondage, but take them to the promised land. It's the same thing. The Spirit of God invaded your life, not just to take you out of bondage, but to take you to a promised land. To take you to abundance. To take you to all that he has for you. The spirit of God. Verse 15 says, And the Lord then answered him and said, You hypocrite, do you not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Verse 16, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? This wasn't God trying to teach her a lesson. Satan was keeping her bound. Lo, these 18 years, shouldn't she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. All his adversaries were ashamed. (laughs) Don't, Don't I refuse to wear any of my weakness as a badge of honor. Yeah, I, I remember what God's brought me from. Yeah, I, I, I have great testimonies of what God's done in my life. But here, these people were, were upset that this woman got free. And said that the adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. By him, the one that was anointed. I'm running out of time, so let's... I'm going to have to skip some things here. Go to um, Genesis 41. Thank you, Father. And there's other scriptures. We know Zechariah chapter 4 was to say, Not by might, nor by power, but what? But by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by my might. It's not by my power, but it's by the Spirit. You see, the Spirit brings us into fruitfulness, fullness, and fulfillment. His des- the desire of the Spirit of God is to bring us into a place of no lack. Can you say that with me again? I have no lack. Because the anointing of God is upon my life. The Spirit of God is upon my life. I have abundant overflow. 
let's look at verse 37 of Genesis 41. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? Can we find such a man as this? A man. A man. Just an ordinary man. Can we find this? Here, here one of the most godless people on the planet at the time. One of the leaders is saying to his staff and staying, saying to his kingdom. Is asking a question. Can we find such a one as this? A man? In whom the spirit of God is. Can we find. <laughs> Can we find. They're like. Wait a minute. I like this guy. There's something about this guy. I really like this guy. That we can find. And, and he recognized that as a. As a worldly godless leader. He recognized the fact. There was something different. About Joseph. And he recognized. That there's the spirit. The spirit. The spirit of God is in whom, in whom the spirit of God is. Verse 39, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. We're living in a world where people, whether they realize it or not, are looking for someone in whom the spirit of God is. If we have the, if we understand who the Holy Spirit is in our life, we should never operate from a deficit of hate or anger, sorrow or confusion, uneasiness or impatience. Why? The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the byproduct of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, long-suffering, temperance. Well, pastor, that's just my personality. Well, you, you need to get with Jesus. Don't let your personality be an excuse to be led by your flesh. We have the spirit of God. And I'm telling you, people are needing the spirit of God because I believe the spirit of God is the very thing that will take our world out of deficit into abundance, out of hate into love, out of confusion into peace, out of confusion into wisdom, out of powerlessness into power. The anointing, what? It destroys every yoke. It removes every burden. Every. Don't look at your situation as something that God can't touch. Don't look at your situation as too far gone. Or your situation that's too, too, too great that can't be changed. Because it says he himself took away and bore, carried away our weaknesses. The anointing destroys, takes away and destroys every burden, every yoke. 
Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God's on the inside of you. The anointing of God is on the inside of you. And that anointing of God on the inside of you isn't just for you. Colossians chapter 1 tells us what, it, what it's for. Colossians 1, 27. A lot of times we just stop reading with that scripture and we celebrate it. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Yeah, we need to celebrate it. Christ in me, the anointing in me, the hope of glory. But if you got to keep, don't stop reading. It says that we might present all men perfect in Christ Jesus. Meaning Christ is in me for a purpose that I might present, that we might present all men perfect in Christ Jesus. Meaning the blessings on my life, the anointings on my life, Grace is on my life. His abundance is on my life. Hallelujah. To change the world around me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Stand to your feet.